we're going to have a conversation. Amen. How many realize that preaching is not just me getting up here and preaching to you? It's, it's reciprocal. It's relational. Amen. I'm receiving from you. You're receiving from this is a This is a relational time. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We, uh, and you'll know that because a lot of times the Holy Spirit will help me to speak right into your situation. Amen. So you know it's relational. It's uh, right down home with you. And no, I have not been peeking in your windows this week. That's what people accuse me of a lot of times. Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 24. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. We have been uh, building up to this. And uh, thank God for Brother Chuck and, and Elijah and, and several of them that have been here every day. Robbie. I'm, his name's Robbie. I call him Elijah. That just, that just stuck. Thank God for uh, all, all the people that have been coming uh, from 6 to 6, all, the, all this last week, there's been prayer uh, all day long here at the church, and that's going to continue through next week uh, from 6 to 6, and, and if you can come at night, you can come at night. And, um, but thank God for those that have been coming and praying, been seeing some tremendous stuff, uh, some uh, breakthroughs and answers, and, and God's been ministering. But um, just praying up to Pentecost Sunday, because we believe that there's a breakthrough coming for the body of Christ. Not only for the body of Christ, but for this nation. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Father. Two, twofold. Twofold. There's going to be there's going to be an outpouring in this nation on the people. But not only that, there's going to be a rising in our capitals, in our government. Amen. That's what we're believing. Twofold. Twofold outpouring of God. And um, so that's coming up next week is uh, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, James and Athena Reese are going to be here, and we're going to be laying hands on them and blessing them and, uh, and sending them. They're starting a new work over in their area, and uh, so they're coming back home. They, they was here for several years, and they're coming back home so they can be sent uh, from the family and uh, ordained by the family of God, and, and uh, we thank God for that. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be an awesome time. Hallelujah. Uh, no telling what's going to happen. Amen. Wilderness experiences. Well, that's, that's not a topic that makes you shout, is it? Wilderness experiences. Every promise that God gives us has a wilderness experience attached to it. Every one of them. If you grab hold of a promise from God, I can guarantee you that before you get the answer to that, you are going to have some type of wilderness experience. Amen. I know, you know, I wish I could preach that stuff that just makes everybody feel good all the time, you know, self-help and all that kind of stuff, but I, I, I don't. I preach the truth. I want you to be able to walk through. I want you to be able to get there. Amen. I don't want to give you some shiny message about five steps to victory. I want to tell you what it's going to take for you to crawl, fight, and plow your way through to victory. Amen. Because there is no easy steps into it because you're going to fight yourself the whole way. Biggest enemy you'll fight is you. Amen. We, <laughs> we are our overcome. We are the ones that need to be overcome. I posted one time, and, and 
some people didn't, didn't think I, it was right, but I posted that if you teach a child to conquer themselves, nobody else will ever conquer them. If you teach children to conquer themselves, nobody else will ever conquer them. Amen. Praise God. Think about that for a little bit. In uh, the book of Luke chapter 24, start with verse 44. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, oh God, open our understanding. Everybody say that with me. Open our understanding that we can comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and arise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. That's happening. Beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The word endued means to be clothed. It's like the mantle of Elijah coming upon Elisha. It means to be clothed. And so that you tarry in Jerusalem so you can be endued or clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Now this was an exciting time for the disciples and the people that seen Jesus go. Now, it said that there was over 500 people that was there when Jesus ascended up into the heavens. That's, I don't know exactly how they got that figure, but that's an estimate, close to 500 people. It was, it was an exciting time. It was a victory time after a great disappointment when Jesus died on the cross, and they were all disappointed. They were scared. They were afraid. They felt abandoned. They felt lost. But then Jesus rose from the dead and for 40 days appeared to them and, and helped them establish themselves. Jesus, Jesus had to stay there and heal the wounds in his people, in the disciples, so that they could be victorious and free and receive the Holy Spirit in their life. He had to heal the disappointments. He had to deal with the heartache. He had to, he had to deal with the anger. He had to deal with all the jealousies and all the things that, that, that were in the disciples so that they could come to a place of receiving the promise. And here Jesus is taken up. They see him rise into heaven. How many know that'd be, a, that'd be quite a sight? They saw Jesus rise into heaven, and they worshiped him, and it says they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. They had quite a worship service. It was exciting. It was awesome. They were thrilled because the promise of the Father was coming upon them, and they were ready to receive it. 
right then. Amen. I got things to do, God. Get the promise coming. See, a lot of us, we, we receive word, and it's always exciting to get a revelation and a word from God. It's always exciting. When I was younger, I would get real excited about that. And when, when the, the Lord would reveal something to me or, or somebody would declare something over my life that was confirmation in my life, I'd get excited. I was ready to go. Let's do it. Come on, you know. And I would take off running. There's a lot of times I ran out the door and God was still in the house. <laughs> and after being beat up for a while, I went back in the house to find out why God didn't come with me. What's up? You know, what, what's going on? Because it was right now. Amen. Five minutes from now is too late. I mean, we got to get this thing going. And uh, I'm not much better now, but I, 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 I have learned wisdom. And uh, I'm much more mellow these days. And uh, so I've, I've learned not to move until God moves. Amen. Sometimes I'm like a horse dancing. You know, my, my, my oldest son, he's always, I call him the horse whisperer. He's always just been great with horses. And I'm not. Horses don't like me. The minute I walk up, they, they have this attitude that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you down. And, uh, you know, we, we just do not get along. I ride a Harley. I have a whole bunch of horses that I control. Amen. They only eat when I want them to eat, and they only run when I want them to run. I tell my son all the time, I got a whole lot more horses than you, but, but, but I, I have control of them. But he's, he's like the horse whisperer. He's, you know, he can take horses and train them and, and break them and, and all, all this stuff. And they, they just do what he wants them to do. And he had this big, huge horse, quarter horse. That thing was fast. I mean, it was, it, it was amazing fast. There's no way I could have rode that horse. Because when, when you, they tuck off running, you can't be like a cement block in the saddle. And that's how I ride. I never figured out how to glide. My oldest son, Benai, gets on a horse, and he takes off. It, it, he just flows, you know, just, just out there flowing. You never see him move. It's like, you know, how do you do that? Because I get a horse, and that thing takes off. I'm, I'm from the saddle horn to the horse's hind end. I mean, I'm on the side. I'm all over the horse. It is, it is not a pretty sight. And it's, it's very hard on my physical body. <laughs> I have I have been I have been bucked all over the place on horses. Never hit the ground yet though. I found out that man I can clinch down on those horses. I also found out that's one of the reasons they buck. <laughs> yeah. I was riding with a guy with with some people in a, in a showdio. They called it. They just I was supposed to jump on the back of the horse. You know, they come right. They put me out by a barrel, and said when, when they're going to race down there, come around the barrel, and when they come around the barrel, I'm supposed to grab hold of the saddle horn, swing up behind them, and then they race on down. I did not want to do it. They put me up to it. They paid the pre the deal, and then said, "Okay, it's already paid. We want you to do this." I swung up on the back of that horse. And we were running, and I sunk my heels into, in, into that horse because I was not coming off. And that horse went wild. It went berserk. We, we bucked all over that rodeo arena with me sitting right on the back end of that horse 
I got hold of the saddle horn, and the guy that's, that's riding the horse is in front of me. I'm holding him on the horse because I'm clenched down to my heels. I got a hold of that saddle horn. You couldn't have pried me off there with a crane. And, and I kept thinking, what is wrong with this stupid horse? <laughs> finally, finally, it bucked all the way across the arena, hit the fence on the other side, and I let go because I was going to go over the fence. Well, as soon as I let go, the stupid horse just stopped and just walked off. Anyway, but I was riding this big horse in a, in, a, in a trail ride, and this guy, the whole trail ride, this guy kept saying, race me. I, I, want, to, I want to race you. I know I, my horse is fastest horse around. I know I can beat you, you know, all this kind of stuff, the whole way. But I kept saying, no, I don't want to race. I don't want to race. They finally get to the back, get back to the trailers and stuff, and he kept on, and Finally, Benaiah said, see that tree down there in the field? He said, yeah, we'll race around that tree and come back. And so they get lined up. They took off. And this guy just takes off hard as he can. Well, Benaiah just reined his horse in, and he just, just started dancing in circles, letting this guy get a head start. And then he cut that horse loose, got down there, and passed him by the time he was heading back. And that's how we are a lot of times when God gives us a prophetic word and we get a revelation from God. We're like that horse dancing around, you know, saying, let me go, let me go, let me go. And, and God's, God's reigning us in saying, just hang on a minute, hang on a minute. You know, you, not yet, not yet. And, and that's how we got, we got to learn that God wants to, he has a timing and he has purposes. And we've got to understand that there is a process because the purpose we will not be able to handle the promise and the purpose if we don't go through the wilderness time to where we learn to just and we're prepared for that. The promise will destroy us if we don't learn how to walk in the promise. We'll destroy it. There's a certain amount of humbling that has to take place in order for God to fulfill what he wants to fulfill in our lives. In, in the book of Exodus, I want to talk about people that didn't get it. Let's go to the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus chapter 12, verse 35. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of, of Moses. And they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. I like how that's stated. Because actually what they want to do is get rid of them. And whatever it took. So they, they had favor. You know, whatever you need. And so they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now, in the book of Numbers, I believe it is. No, it's right here. It says that they went out, uh, in the original King James, it says they went out with a high hand. In the New King James, it says they went out with boldness. Amen. Went out with boldness. Chapter 14 and verse, verse 8. Getting ahead of myself. Need to focus in here. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. There it is. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. Amen. Went out with boldness. 
So the Egyptians pursued them, all, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea uh, beside Pi, hey, you know, that town. That place. Before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, listen, when, 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 when all this was happening, they were liking it. They went out with a high hand. They were bold, you know. It, it's awesome. When, when there's no opposition, you can be really bold. When you're, when you're not feeling the pain, you can be really bold. When you're not the one going through the trouble, you can be really bold. Amen. And, and we, we tell people, well, you know, the, a lot of, don't do this, but a lot of times people having problems, we tell, them, we tell them how many victories we've had. That is not building their faith. That's making them feel like they just, they, they're just worthless. They just don't have the faith. Don't do that. When somebody's hurting, don't tell them how, how great your healing was. Just pray for them and love them and help them walk them to their victory. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Oh, listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. Praise God. That, that you might feel like you're building their faith up. All you're doing is beating them down because they're hurting. They're in pain. They, they need you to just love them into healing. Pray for them. Amen. If nothing else, just sit there with them and pray for them. Praise God. Nurture them. Encourage them. Praise God. That's why I take Sister Betty with me. She takes care of all that. And then I say, okay, now let's get up. Um, so the children of Israel was excited. They went out with a high hand. They went out with boldness, and they were loving it because they plundered the Egyptians, and they had all this gold, had all this silver, had these garments. I mean, they went out of, e of Egypt wealthy, with all these blessings, and they were excited. I mean, they were going out. Whoa, we, you know, we're, we're delivered. We're going out. God's blessing us. And and that, we as Americans, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get past this mentality that that is where it's at. I've had people tell me that if God's in it, you won't have any problems. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard in my life. If God's in it, you got enemies that are going to try to stop you. They're going to fight you every step of the way. I've had people say, oh, I know it was God because there wasn't any problems. If that's your mentality, you're never going to get anything done for God because every time there's a problem, you're going to, you're going to go from woo, boldness and we're being blessed and all this kind of stuff. And then when the enemy shows up, you're going to be just like these people and you're going to cry out to the Lord and say to Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, did you bring us out here to die? What a bunch of liars. There was a lot of graves in Egypt. They were being killed and beaten. And can, you, can you hear what I'm saying today? This, this, this belief that if God is in it, 
then everything's going to be easy is a deception, it's a lie, and it's your greatest setup for disappointment because it is not going to be easy. God's going to show up. God's going to help you. He's going to pull you through. But if you don't learn how to stare down the devil when he comes to try to stop you, you're not going to get anywhere. Amen. They begin to cry out to the Lord. But it wasn't the right kind of prayers. They said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Oh, my goodness. How fast they turned. For it would... Holding all their gold and silver and clothing, they're saying, why'd you do this to us? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Oh, come on, children of God. When, when there's a promise, when you're grabbing hold of a promise, it's exciting. There's faith. There's there's exuberance. We, we're going we're gonna to march out. We're going to, you know, take the battle to the devil. We're going to win. We're gonna, we got the victory, you know, until the battle starts. And that's when we decide whether we're going to have victory or not is when the battle comes. We can feel really strong when nothing's going wrong. But I tell you what, it's when all of a sudden everything turns against you, when people turn on you, when demons are surrounding you, when you're being mocked and made fun of. That's when you decide whether you have a promise or not. Fantasies are futile attempts at perfection. Faith is the pressing in and fighting through to the resolve. There's a big difference between having a word from God and having a fantasy in your mind. Daydreaming is not revelation. Revelation is when you hear a word from God and that word burns in your heart to the point that nothing can keep you from going after that word. That's revelation. Amen. I'm not, I'm not here to make you feel good today. I'm here to get you to the promise. I'm here to get you through the victory. Come on, somebody. I got to have some people got some fight in them, got some stick with it in them, got some stick to itiveness, and says, well, I'm not going to leave. Amen. I'm not going to bow down. People tell you crazy. Don't worry about it. Amen. Just thank them for their input and go on. Amen. Exodus chapter 13. I'm past that. They went with boldness. But the Bible says that God, when he took them out, he didn't take them the shortcut. They could have been in the promised land in three weeks. Three weeks, 21 days. But instead, God took them 
to the wilderness. Now, it says in Numbers that he took him to the wilderness to test them, to get them ready. Why? Because if he would have took them straight up three weeks' journey, they would have run right into the Philistines into war. And he knew that they did not have the ability to see past that because they had been slaves all their lives. And so he had to take them and train them to press through. Now, this is what I want to ask you. Is the wilderness experience attached to the promises of God, is it going to be a passageway or a destination for you? God wants it to be a passageway. But if we don't approach it in the right way, it's going to be a destination. And for most of the children of God, all but two that came out of Egypt, the wilderness became a destination. Matter of fact, they got to the promised land 40 years later, and they still didn't have it. They got there, they sent in spies, the spies came back, all but two said it's impossible, we can't do it, they're too big for us, we're as grasshoppers in their sight, but two of them said, let's go up at once for the Lord has given us this land. But the people believed the evil report, they still did not have the mindset that if this is God, there's going to be some fight. Amen. If we're going to follow God, we're going to have to learn that opposition does not dictate where we go. Because not everybody will stick with you in a promise. Matter of fact, most people won't. And you can't blame them for it because they're not the ones that got the promise. Amen. God told me something really strange one time. And, and you know, it had to be Holy Spirit because I don't talk like this. He said the purpose is not predicated by the people involved, but by the purpose itself. And when I heard that, I thought, what was that? What do you mean? The purpose is not predicated by the people involved, but by the purpose itself. And so I got to looking at it and realized that predicated means predictability. The purpose is not predicted by the people that support you. And if we determine our purpose by that, then we're never going to get to our purpose. Because when you carry the purpose inside of you, not everybody can feel that, see that, taste that, understand that. But he said the purpose predicts its own outcome. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. Amen. The purpose predicts its own outcome. I want to stick with the purpose. I want to stick with the Word of God. I want to stick with what God's saying. Because if you listen to all the voices like we've been doing for so long, oh, come on, somebody, turn the news off and get on your face and start saying, God, what do you say about this thing? 
What are you doing here? Amen. You don't need everybody's opinion. You just need the word of the Lord. You need to hear what God's saying. Amen. I hear what the world's saying, but I want to hear what God's saying. And this is what I hear God saying is he's not done. He hasn't quit. He hasn't given up. It's not over with yet. And the people of God are still victorious in his name and his purpose will still be accomplished. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we got to learn to stick with it. We got to learn to hear what the word of the Lord says. We got to, and we got to grab hold of that and say, okay, this is what I hold on to. Because the promise will grab hold of you and drag you through the mud, beat you up, stomp you in the ground, and tear you up before you ever get to the promise fulfilled. Makes you want to really get in there, doesn't it? <laughs> I wish I could preach them, them nice, encouraging messages. Amen. You know where everybody pats you on the back and says, oh, I feel so good. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to feel good when, you, when you're able to push through things that you shouldn't be able to push through. You're going to feel good when all hell comes against you and hell bows at your feet. That's when you'll feel good. Amen. Faith, faith is not some fuzzy feeling that makes you feel good all the time. Faith is what takes you and shoves your face right into the ground sometimes and makes you push through, makes you go through. It's what puts you in a battle that you didn't want to be in, and your faith will take you in that battle, and it'll cause you to fight and bring you out on the other side, and you'll know victory is, and you know what it cost. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. This has been brewing in me for a whole week, so come on, somebody. <laughs> you got to learn to grab hold of a promise and hang on to it no matter what the ride's like. Amen. <laughs> you got to, I mean, you got to hang on to that thing. I have never had any, I've never had God tell me to do anything that came easy. Never. But I've seen an awful lot of things done. I've seen an awful lot of things accomplished. I've got an awful lot of testimonies. Amen. I've been, I've been on missions trips where, where, the, where I got the snot beat out of me. I mean, got stomped in the ground been sick. Some say I've died. All, all kinds of stuff's happened. And I've had so many people tell me that you need to get some faith so that stops happening. I look at them and say, I didn't see you there. I'm still here. I came back. Come on, somebody. You got to learn to press through. Last time I went to India, I mean, we, we left, 
with a high hand. We were excited. I mean, you know, we stopped down in Houston, met with Martin and Kim Dale. We had a layover in Houston. We met with them. We had a great time. We laughed. We talked about God. We shared testimonies. We, we had this wonderful time with Martin and Kim Dale down in Houston. And, and then we went back to the airport and found out that the computer system for the airport had crashed. And that's where it started. Everything went downhill from there. We were four hours late. We got to Germany. Four hours late, missed our flight, along with thousands of other people. The airport was packed full because the whole computer system for United Airlines had crashed, not only here in the U.S., but all over. And, and they had to try to reboot this thing and get all these planes going. And me and Sister Betty stood in line after line after line trying to find another flight and trying to get out of there. And, and we finally got a flight. But instead of flying to India after 12 hours in Germany trying to get a flight, instead of, instead of flying on into India where we were going, they flew us 12 hours, 12 more hours to Singapore, all the way past India. We'd already been to Singapore that year the western route so we encompassed the whole globe that year without intending to and so we get to singapore and we have to wait in singapore and then they're going to fly us back to india the bad thing is is for whatever reason i don't know what happened while we were in germany i started feeling bad i started feeling sick and i know that if i had faith this wouldn't happen to me but i started getting sick and i started feeling really bad and we got on the flight to Singapore, and I was in that little two-by-two two toilet almost the whole 12 hours, heaving, dizzy, vertigo so bad I couldn't stand it, and I spent 12 hours on an airplane suffering like that, sick. Now, I realize that if I was one of the big dogs in the faith, that wouldn't happen to me. I realize that if I had the kind of faith that other people have, that wouldn't happen to me. But I got to Singapore, and I got to feeling better. Matter of fact, they wasn't going to let me off the plane until I got to feeling better, and I got to feeling better. <laughs> we got into Singapore, had to wait, got on the flight, back to India. It was, I forget how many hours back to India. And, and the th whole thing, same thing started. I started feeling bad. I ended up just, just heaving the whole way to India. I mean, I was wiped out. I was, I was just, just wore out. It was awful. It was miserable. And I guess I had some kind of vertigo or so. I don't know what it was. And we get to India and they, they told us, they told me again, they said, we're going to have to quarantine you in India because of how bad you're feeling. And I got better. <laughs> so I finally convinced them that I was feeling better, and they let me off the airplane. We get there, and, and our luggage was lost, of course, with all... And all this kind of stuff. We get there and we, we get to India and the oppression is so bad that me and Sister Betty ended up locked in a motel for two, two days after we get there. Couldn't leave the motel and locked in this little room. That is not conducive to my behavior. 
And so for two days, we had to stay in this little room. We couldn't leave. We, and, and I paced back and forth. And Sister Betty said, would you please sit down? You're supposed to be resting. This is a time we can rest. You've been sick all the way here. Just sit down. And I just paced back and forth and said, I don't like this. I don't like this. I want to be out there. We got to preach the gospel. We got to go out there. We got to cast out devils. We got to heal the sick. We're not here to sit in a motel room. We got to get out there. And Sister Betty's watching me and saying, Please sit down. <laughs> now, listen. We can say that that shouldn't happen. And I would just as soon it didn't. But I got to ask you something Is that enough to back you down? Is that enough to get you to quit? Is that enough to get you to say, well, if God's going to treat me like that, I'm not going again? I want to tell you something. If I had to get on an airplane right now and throw up all the way to India again to preach the gospel, I would do it. Why? Because I have a purpose that is greater than my situation or circumstances, and I will not let my circumstances determine my purpose. Now, if you want to talk faith, you talk to people that have had to press through armies of, of opposition, had to press through all kinds of problems, and they still got there, and they still made it. Those are the people I want to sit down and talk to, and I want to hear from them and know what it was that kept them going. If somebody comes up to me, that pious arrogant attitude and saying, well, that stuff doesn't happen to me. I don't want to talk to you. Because if you went where I went, you'd never serve God again. Amen. I know I'm preaching rough today, but we need it. Because we've got to learn to stand up. Amen. We got to learn to take take the knots on our head if that's what happens. We got to learn to press forward in in faith and say, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know why this has happened to me, but I got to tell you something. I know my Redeemer lives, and I know I'm going to serve Him the rest of the days of my life, and I'm going to do what God called me to do. Amen. I, I downloaded a picture and wish I'd have brought it out or something I posted on Facebook. is uh, uh, something out of uh, John Wesley's um, writing. And he just kept going through, preached at this church, told never to come back. Preached at this church, told never to come back. Preached at this church, the deacons told me that I couldn't never come back. And it was just a whole page of never come back. You can't preach here again. And at, at the final page, it, it said he preached on the street. They, they, they told him he couldn't preach on the street. He preached here, they told him he couldn't preach on the street. And at the very end of the page, it said preached in an open field, 10,000 people showed up. That's what I call faith. He didn't let him back him down. Didn't let him stop him. Uh -uh. Hallelujah. I know what that's like. I've had people tell me, I, I don't want you, we don't want you here. And yet I've seen God move. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to wind this thing down.
Hebrews 10, 35 through 36 says that, that uh, you have need of endurance. That after you have done the will of God, that you may receive the promise. You have need of endurance or patience. We call it patience. But I'm talking, I, I like the endurance and perseverance better. Amen. That patience word just goes all over me. Endurance, endurance seems, you know, a little more, you know, acceptable. Patience to me, you know, that word almost in my mind is probably wrong, but in my mind, patience means to sit down and just wait. Endurance means to push through. Amen. Is my, my, what I like. Book of Acts, chapter 1. Hallelujah. You know, I, when I was younger, my father-in-law loved to get me in situations just to see me fight my way out. He enjoyed it. And he, and he knew I, I would. There was just nothing, no challenge I wouldn't take. You know, I'm not this way anymore. <laughs> but if somebody says I can't do something, you know, when I was younger, that meant it was going to happen. That's just the way, that's just the mentality I had. And uh, just, just didn't, I didn't see limits. I didn't see barriers. I didn't see boundaries. You know, any, anything can be broken. Anything can be exceeded. And so my father-in-law knew that, and so he was always putting me up to stuff. And uh, we were rounding up cattle one day, and uh, I, I, I didn't grow up around farms or anything like that, and so it was really exciting to me. It wasn't just same old stuff. I mean, I got to fight with, with cows and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it, was, it was exciting. And so we're, we're doing this roundup one day, and the barnyard, or inside, inside the corral, the big, where the chutes and everything is, it had been raining. And so the middle of that, barn, middle of that barnyard was over a foot deep in water, mud, and cow manure. So we was trying to stay away from that. And we were trying to get the cat, the, the, uh, young steers through this gate and you know I'm Earl's over there working the gate and I told at, at his funeral I told him I told everybody I said Earl's loved his son-in-laws his oldest son-in-law is uh, captain ship captain second son-in-law lieutenant colonel in the air force his third, third son-in-law is the best cow dog he ever had and that was me. We're in, the, we're in this area, and we had this one steer that had horns about that long, just a young steer. And I'm, we're trying to get it through a gate. And Earl's holding the gate so he can close it once I get it through it. And, and this thing kept challenging me. And I would, I would get it through the gate, and it would turn and start charging me with his head down. And I would jump out of the way. 
Well, I did that, I did that two or three times, jumped out of the way, and that was my limit. And so the next time I thought, he's bluffing. And so the next time he turned and started charging me, I started running at him, hollering, you know, waving my arms, hollering. I thought, you know, he'll turn. He did not. <laughs> he left the ground and caught me with one of those horns right in the ribs right here. And that horn went all the way up over my chest, over my shoulder, just cutting. And, and I had this bruise and cut about that tall, just from here to here. But when he hit me, I grabbed him around the neck and we went to the ground, and he took me right out in the middle of that barnyard, <laughs> and he stomped on me, he rolled me around, he fell on me. I mean, he was, he was just working me over out in that mud, but I was not letting go. And I held on to that steer, and we went all over that barnyard, and the whole time my father-in-law standing over there on dry ground with the gate hollered, get him! Don't let go of him! Get him in there! Come on, Tim, get him! <laughs> Agging me on, you know? And I held on to that thing, and we fought all over that. I mean, I was drenched from top to bottom. He stuck me. I mean, there was times my head was underwater in that stuff with him on top of me. <laughs> but it didn't matter what he did... He wasn't able to get away from me. And at the, end of the, at the end of it, I drug him through that gate, fought him all the way, and my father-in-law calmly closed the gate behind us. <laughs> I told you that story to tell you this. If you're going to receive the promise from the Father, that's how you're going to have to do you're going to have to grab hold of that thing and, and hang on to it. Even if it stomps you in the ground, rolls you in the mud, you're going to have to hang on to it until it happens, until you pass through that passageway. Because this thing is not for the weak of heart. It's not for those that are scared and afraid. If you're going to grab hold of the promise of God, you're going to have to have the attitude that you can't shake me loose no matter what you do. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Now, don't, don't shout me down at this great encouraging message. When you pass through that door and you get the victory, that's the time you shout. That's shouting time. When I was younger and somebody would give me some prophetic word that was a confirmation to me and, and, you know, I knew that it was the truth of God, man, I'd get excited. Now when somebody wants to prophesy over me, I, I start ducking. You know, whoo, don't, don't say that out loud because I know what's coming. I know the first thing's going to happen is a fight. But when we grab hold of it and we say, God, this is mine. This belongs to me. You gave this to me, Father. And I'm not letting go of it.
for anything. I will not let go of it. Boy, there's sometimes, there's sometimes you don't feel like, you don't feel excited. In the last several weeks that I've dealt with this thing, whatever, whatever this nerve thing in my back is, there was, there was over two weeks there that I couldn't get any relief 24 hours a day. I just had this intense pain. It felt like somebody had stabbed me in the back with a knife and I couldn't get it out. And it was just intense pain 24 hours a day. Didn't sleep all night. It was long. It's, it's a long time. All, all night by yourself in pain is a long time. How many have how many been there? You've been there. Some of y'all been there. I know Dan, Dan's struggling to be here today. He just went through two major surgeries, one through his stomach, one through his back. Rebuilt, put cages around his, his spine. I know he knows what I'm talking about. And there was times in the middle of the night that I would that I would be hurting so bad and couldn't get any relief. I'd try stretches. I'd try, I'd try exercise. I'd try all kinds of stuff trying to get some relief, and nothing would give me any relief. And every once in a while, I'd get maybe a couple minutes of relief, and I'd doze off for maybe five minutes, and I, then I was awake again. And just it was just so frustrating. And there's times in the middle of the night that I would just get angry. I would feel that anger rising up inside of me. And I would feel like, I'd feel like lashing out and saying, God, don't you care for me? You know, that, that rises up in you, doesn't it? Now, I know pastors aren't supposed to be transparent like this. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to tell you everything's great and faith will fix everything and we never have any problems. That is the biggest lie ever told. I'd rather be honest with you and help you walk through things than, than, than fake you out any day. There's nights that I, I, would, I would just get so upset because I was hurting so bad, and I've been healed so many times. I mean, God's raised me up from all kinds of stuff, and yet this thing just went on and on and on, and I kept thinking, what is the problem? And Sister Betty would pray for me, and, and, and she'd say, I don't know what the problem is. You know, God's always healed you. I don't know what the problem is. And I would feel that anger, that frustration, that feeling of abandonment would, would start rising up inside of me in the middle of the night. Why? Because we're human and we feel the pain. But I knew what it was. And so I would, I would turn that around into declarations of faith. Instead of complaining, instead of lashing out, Sometimes I would sit there and raise my hand to heaven and i say, I believe in the Word of God. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I believe the Word of God. And I know you're my healer. What inside of me was wanting to say, why ain't you doing something? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. And I remember one night, about 4 o'clock in the morning, I was so tired. It had been, it'd been, been two weeks of this, and I was so wore out, frustrated, hurting, couldn't, couldn't get past it, couldn't, just, just couldn't function. And the only time that I ever let anything come out of my mouth that was, that was somewhat negative is I looked up to heaven and I said, Do you see me? And then I said, I know you do. 
Now, I need some help right now. I mean, I got a little demanding. And you know, I went to sleep and slept for two hours. God was saying, yeah, I know where you're at. I know where you're at. Amen. But I'm standing here today with very, very little pain, able to stand up. Come on, somebody. Amen. Sometimes it doesn't happen right away, but do you believe the Word of God? Sometimes there's a lot of pain involved, but do you believe the Word of God? What, what is it that can cause you to back down and back away? Sometimes we come to the place where we find out where that point is. Amen. Find out where that point is. When everything goes wrong in your life and it seems like your life is devastated, you come to that place where you, you, have, to, you have to say, is this, is this the price it takes to cause me to back up? Or will I go on? Will I continue to believe God? Stand with me today. Hallelujah. These are the messages God's been given to me since we opened the church back up. And uh, I think he's trying to talk to us. Amen. Trying to get us to understand that we have victory ahead of us. We have promises ahead of us. We've got his word. Are we going to apply it? Are we going to stick with it? Or are we going to let this world back us down? Are we going to let this world back us up? Are we going to let our circumstances happening back us up? No, we are not. Everybody say no. No. I am going to press through. I'm going to press through. Hallelujah. I'm going to press through. Praise God. Hallelujah. In the book of Acts, it says that in verse 14, you remember in Luke, they went back with joy. Oh, just praise and glorifying God. That was at the beginning. Ten days later, in the book of Acts chapter 14, it says, and they with one mind continued. That word continued there means they endured, persevered, and pressed through. See, they were rejoicing at the beginning. It's fun. But after 10 days of that and the promise not coming, there was only 120 left out of 500. But that 120 stuck with it, stuck it out, persevered, refused to give in, and then all of a sudden there was some a sound that began to come down from heaven. Come on, somebody. Ten days is nothing once that happens. All the struggle goes away once that happens. Father, I thank you today. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that I am standing with a bunch of victorious soldiers of the Lord right now. Lord God, we are not of those that turn back. We are not of those that go away. God, we're those that have our hearts fixed on you. We're looking to you, Father. 
We have a grip on the promises that you've given us, and we're not letting go of them. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Some of you have children that aren't, aren't that are going the wrong direction. Hang on. Hang on. You might feel like you're in that corral with that steer being stomped on and, and wrestled in the mud, but don't let go. Hang on. Your physical body might be fighting against you right now, but you got to hang on. You got to hang on to Jesus. You got to hang on to the Word of God. You got to keep pushing through because there's promises to obtain. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God, we give you praise. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Lord, we lift up your, your name today and give you praise. Lord, I just open my heart right now before you, God, in this place, Lord, we stand here today. And Lord, we thank you that you've taken us through the storms. You've taken us through the, the wilderness areas, Lord God, of our life. You, you take us through it and you bring us out on the other side. And Father, I want to be like Joshua and Caleb and say we're still able to take this mountain. The Lord has given it to us. We're still able to go in and receive the promises. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. God, we just humble ourselves in your presence right now. In the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves.